There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. podcast where we give you all the news and notes from your Flyers team as well as around the NHL. I'm Katie Emmer and as well as Jordan Hall we got joining us and Jordan it's not just us today we have a very special guest making his first appearance. Should I give you a little drum roll Jordan Jordan to introduce them here? Please Katie please do because we here we go here we go. The all-time leader in games played by a Flyers defenseman Chris, you got to get it right. Yes. Thank you so much for joining. It's mouthful. Yeah. I don't really go around and publicly use that one, and I'm sure someday Ivan Provorov will break that record. But you know what? It's been pretty cool. To, pretty cool to if someone asks me it or makes points it out to me. It is a pretty neat thing to say. I mean, the organization's been around since 1967, so um, I don't have a lot of great stats in there, but but I'm certainly happy to have represented this organization for that long. So it's pretty so, cool. So humble. You're a living legend, Bundy. Don't worry. Absolutely. It's uh. <laughs> It's fine. It's good. <laughs> Analyst with us uh, at NBC Philly. Um, you stay busy, and Jordan and I were excited to get your take on a lot of the news going on here, and especially just as a former player with everything happening. But first and foremost, I know how, how much you love to be busy, Bondi. You're just like a lot of us. You're always on the go, and there's a halt here. What have you been doing for your time lately? I know your girls are all home, and you got a full house. Uh, maybe pe- some people are coming and going, but what's been – on the docket for you lately a lot of lawn work uh you know what i have i did four straight days of lawn work and i'm actually glad because it did rain today so i'm happy about that for you know and again you know what you don't want to do everything in one day because that you know then you wouldn't have anything to do the other three days so there's always a thought process in it um it, guys you know what i, I know we're like we'll, we make light of it a little bit but i mean this is a very very um a very trying time for the world let alone north america and the united states and uh uh, it's weird. I mean, we were just together, Katie, last week, you know, doing the games. Jordan, I see you guys in there. Great smiles every night. Always happy to go to work. And, and I love being there, too. And then all of a sudden they just shut it down overnight. It was it's I, I'll be honest with you. I've never seen anything like this in my life where everything just ceased to stop happening uh, in a matter of moments. And, you know, I, and I know, yeah, we're, we're lonely without our sports and we're lonely without everything that goes on right now. But there is a bigger issue at hand. And I hope everybody has an understanding and a grasp of just how serious this is. Um, it's it's tough times. It's, it's there's there's not a lot going on. I mean, I've had uh, everybody's been affected by this. There's not one single person that hasn't been affected in somehow uh, in some way. You know, you mentioned my daughters. You know, I had two girls playing at Loyola. Their season gets canceled and ended, even though they were uh, they were close to being done anyhow. Uh, same with Alexa. My third daughter, Cherokee, made the state final game in high school basketball, and the game wasn't able to be played. So we're hoping they name co-champions. Uh, there's been no tryouts for my son's hockey team. No one can go anywhere. So, you know, we want everyone to be healthy, first of all, and I know you guys feel the same way, but uh, if and when we, we resume hockey, um, I think that is like I, I put it on Twitter last week. It's like a 
moving target that nobody's really able to get their hands around. And it's, um, I think that's where everybody's at. You know, I talked to Mark Recchi yesterday, uh, you know, a hockey hall of famer, longtime teammate of mine, uh, still a great friend to this day. And, you know, he, he's hopeful that the league's going to play, but I think the one thing you have to realize is that if we're not physically allowed to leave our homes, if we're not physically allowed to be in a building, uh, you know, with more than 10 people around, I don't know what the options are as of this day today. That doesn't mean it won't change by the end of the week. And I think that's where we're at. Yeah, Chris, you've, um, as a player, you've seen uh, two lockouts. Just how unique is this stoppage compared to kind of what you went through as a player? Well, I think it's funny, Jordan. And I, um, I know Joe would ask me this week for it. I said, uh, you know, about some questions that we were doing with with that about the lockouts. I've been through three of them: two as a player and one as a as a broadcaster. The right. first one was a, the first one was in '94 for me. It was my first training camp. I'd made the Flyers. Uh, I played in the Olympic team the year before the Flyers didn't make the playoffs so I went and played a, a few games at Hershey at the end of the year uh, but my, my goal was to make that 94-95 roster and I did and then they had the lockout so that was a necess- uh, necessity for me to go down and to keep playing and and uh, you know to, to keep you know get get acclimated to pro hockey so I was played uh, 30 I think 30 games or something 30 some games in the minors that year and uh, when the lockout ended I got called right back up so it was a seamless transition I really felt I benefited from that because I was playing uh, at the time. And then when the lockout had ended, I, you know, I'd had the benefit where the other players, uh, most guys had already been in the NHL were, were as, as it was put locked out. Like I was in 2004, after having been a long time NHL at that point. So, yeah. um, 2004 was totally different. Uh, there was a preparedness, but not to the point that we ever thought we'd lose an entire season. I don't think anybody ever envisioned that. Uh, I still didn't believe it even in the January that year when they said we may be heading down this road. I, I just thought that cooler heads would prevail and it would end. This is different because it's a health emergency. I mean, a, a, a global health pandemic. So, there's nothing that anybody can do except stay away from each other uh, and, and to try to, to take away the dent, uh, you know, relieve the density of, of mass populations and people getting together. So that that's really, I mean, we all want to come back and play. And I know what Mark Recchi was saying when I talked to him that, yeah, I mean, the owners have to play. I understand that they have to play. The players want to play. The, the, the proposal that the players gave the league last week was basically it was at the end of the day, it was a cash grab. I mean, the players want to get their money. They want to retain their last three paychecks. And if that was a, a roadmap of how to do it, um, it didn't look like it made a whole lot of sense to me from a visual standpoint of hockey in July and August. And then going through 11 months to me will never ever make any kind of sense, especially uh, when you come to the the physicality uh, uh, that the sport requires on a nightly basis. But I just think that we're in a, uh, we're just in very, very strange times. And, um, and I can't answer. And I don't think anybody else can answer. We can speculate, but nobody can give you a hard line. This is when we're going to come back, or this is when we're going to start to mobilize. Uh, I just don't think we're there yet. Acme is immediately hiring employees for their stores and distribution center to serve the increasing needs of communities during this unchartered time. If you or someone you know is looking for an exciting opportunity, Acme is currently hiring at every store location, including their distribution center. Go to acmemarkets.com forward slash careers. Yeah, and Bundy, you, you talk a lot. You, you mentioned right there just that player proposal that we're both all, I mean, all of us on today, we, we mentioned on the last episode just with maybe how, to me, how bizarre that was to see, like to, yeah. to get the player's perception that they they care about finishing out this season. Of course, we all do. 
But as you're starting to say, just injuries and, and things like that, just so you can finish this season, no matter what point of the summer it's going to be, and then you're affecting next year. I mean, sure, I'm sure the players, they want to play, and like you just mentioned, but like if you put yourself back in, in that position, think of your – and you said right there with the lockouts, like you've had sort of the, the taste of this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, what would you be doing? I mean, these guys have to be staring at their phones. It's not really time off they have right now. Yeah, they're not training. They're not on the ice. But you do have to stay in shape, and it's not really your your typical off-season time off. Which is exactly, um, <clears throat> I think, where part of the problem lies in a sense that the timing is just so bad for basketball and hockey especially because of the, you know, because of the, the ending of the season and, and the teams are winding down jockeying for playoff position. So, you know, when the, when the season's resumed, let's say the first lockout or, or even the last one is when I was a broadcaster in 2012, the season resumed with like that 48 game schedule. In fact, I believe it was 48 games in each of those shortened seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, you know, you were ready to go in, you know, what is it, whatever the middle of January right now you're getting into crunch time. You're getting into the time. The playoffs are going to start in, in two more weeks from where we are right now. And it doesn't look like there's any indication at all that this is going to be over in two weeks based on all the accounts you hear and the news outlets you read and the TV you see. So that's where, that's where they're at. I just thought, and, and again, Every day after that, you're right, Katie. I think guys are going to be looking at their phones going, what is going on here? But at the same time, there's an understanding here that it's not an owner versus the player in a, in a fist fight dragged out on the street. This is a major health crisis, yeah. so it's completely different. Chris, do you think the NHL, like like you were just saying, it's so true. It just seems like there's just no one can really put a finger on when this might end or when, when the season will resume. Do you think the NHL has any idea deep down that they can definitely play and finish this season? Or, or do you think it's really just a wait and see every single day? Honest to God, Jordan, I, I'm sure the one thing they've done, um, just having been through some of the, the meetings before going back to 04, there was always a preparedness from the Players Association. Um, I think there's probably they have a drop dead date that they're going to say, OK, we can move forward with this or we have to make a decision by here. Um, I don't know what that date is. Is it May 15th? I mean, that's, that's inside of 60 days. I don't know. I really just don't know how quick this is going to get better. And, and when the scientists, that the doctors, people should, we should be listening to in this, uh, will tell us that it's safe to do so. And then you could make some decisions from that point on. But again, how do you mobilize this in as fast as four or five days? Do you have a camp again? I mean, are we going to do a five or seven day training camp? Do we start right at the beginning of the playoffs? Do we try to give teams four or five games of a regular season to try to fight for those last spots? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen anything concrete from the league. I don't. And I know if you did, Jordan, you would have, you know, had it out on, on, on uh, the NBC sports site as well. But I just don't know the answer to that. And I think that's where a lot of the guesstimating is going on and, and on some, maybe even some of the confusion as well. Mm. Yeah, and guys, every episode we've had, uh, especially Bundy, we have you joining us today. I mean, it's like every podcast we've had throughout this pause of the season has been always some sort of update because we all know this is such a fluid situation. Um, As of Monday afternoon, the NHL Board of Governors, they had a conference call. um, And we don't have to get too in-depth with this because it does get sort of complicated. But just overall picture, Bundy, just 
We talk about how difficult this could be to plan a postseason for the league and just how they're yeah. going to figure out players and for the players, too. I mean, things are going to be so hard. But how about the financial issues? I mean, I'm seeing, too, the, the NHL earlier today, I read that they're estimated to lose between $500 million and $1 billion, depending on how everything goes. Again, it's, it's all about the bigger thing, right? Bigger than hockey. This is a, a global thing that is a way bigger issue and everyone being safe. But you're looking at like salary cap issues or not issues, but just changes going forward. I yeah. mean, besides planning the postseason, how big of a problem is the league in right now? Uh, it's, it's certainly got a conundrum uh, to deal with, uh, not unlike any other business uh, that's out there. I mean, people have been told to stop working. Your business is closed. That's what's happened to the NHL, the NBA. Uh, there's an escrow issue. I don't want to get too heavy in the numbers right now yeah. with the players in the league. That is a humongous factor because the numbers, because of the way the season ended, could be manipulated. I'm not saying it is. But it could look differently because they didn't get a chance to close off. This really, listen, and everybody knows that this is the NHL money-making time of the year, the playoffs, you know. In, in the fall, the NHL is dealing with the football, baseball playoffs. Uh, there's a lot of college football on Saturday nights, and it's become those are prevalent sports in the fall. After the, the turn of the calendar year uh, about the All-Star break, the NHL kind of takes over, and they, they kind of rule the roost where, the you know, baseball takes a back step to hockey and it's just a cyclical thing year round. So that's where this is where it really, really hurts um, how the league is looked. The books are looked at at the end of the year because of the stoppage. And, and, and again, if you're getting into hockey where let's say this gets really crazy and these are, these are part, part uh, again, scenarios where I think the league's going to have to really look at what if the, someone says, okay, listen, we know for sure that we can start on July 1st. Is that, is that, is that feasible? Is that doable? I mean, you got a lot of things to factor into that. Okay, everyone's saying, oh, wow, we get a chance to finish the season. Yeah, you do. But then you're going to have supposedly uh, at the time, if the two best teams make the finals, you're going to give them three weeks rest and then restart a season again to just go 11 months again. So that, there's a lot of factors in it. Or do they have to say, hey, listen, this is the whole world is taking a hit. We're going to have to take a hit, too, and we're going to have to restart and see what happens in, in the fall. Bundy, as, as I don't, a player... What's more important to you, finishing and awarding a Stanley Cup this season no matter what time of the summer or having a full 82-game schedule without any bother next year? Um, whatever would be best for the league and for its fans. And, and, and if it means that instead of cramming something in that isn't done right because of this scenario and, and that we're in right now, if it means cramming it in and it's not done right, and it's too late in the season where you know your, your best games are being played August 1st, I don't want to say it like that, but it might be better just to, to wash over and then head into September and then hit the reset button on a, on a season. Again, that I won't have anything to do with that decision-making process, um, but somebody, somebody eventually will. Chris, we love your insight, especially on that uh, player's proposal. Just be, obviously, because you, play, you played for a long time, many games. Just how unrealistic do you think that player's proposal is? Um, I it, listen, I, I'm, I'm obviously still I'm, I, I've been on both sides of it. I've worked for the team and I've worked for the players. And, you know, always a piece of me will always have support for the players having been one. But um, I, I don't I, to me, that didn't make a lot of sense, both okay. fiscally and and uh, from a fundamental standpoint of, of hockey in July. And August. I, I just want to make sure that everybody would be invested in it right. and it would make sense for the viewers. It would make sense for the buildings, the league and the players 
first and foremost. Yeah, I know the owners want to make their money. I don't blame them. I, I understand that. That's how they pay all of us. So it's a, it's a big. This there's a big piece and there's a big trickle down. Um, but again, it's not two sides that are swinging bats at each other. It's totally unrelated. Hmm. Yeah, I think I could speak for everyone that we're hoping for some good news eventually here, just globally and with uh, sports yeah. and the NHL. But Bundy, I uh, I think you've told me this before. When I started out my first season here, you told me right away. And see, right there, I call you Bundy. I'm so used to saying yeah. that. And my, my parents yeah, right. were like, "Is it what? Isn't that his first name? Oh my gosh, my dog! Isn't that his first name?" And I was like. No, uh, it's his nickname. He told me I, I could call him that. So explain to the people that might not know, where does the nickname Bundy come from? You know what? There's, there's, there's a few different stories, but I actually I got this in training camp 1994 from Craig McTavish. Uh, I will tell everybody that I haven't told before. It's not because of Ted. It's because of Al. So you guys will all be feel a lot better hearing that. Uh, of course, Al, I don't know if either, either you kids even know what that is. Al Bundy's from Married with Children. Okay. And Ted Bundy's not a good guy. So uh, <laughs> oh God, You kids. You kids wouldn't know. No, we know. We know. So, but they so that, so that up. I would I would sit there watching like Married with Children and Craig McTash come in. And I was sitting there. It was on like Nickelodeon. And he'd be like, you know what? You remind me exactly of that guy. So he I guess he played with another guy. He thought it reminded him his nick when name was Bundy in like the early eighties or something like that. So it just kind of stuck and uh it's been my Philadelphia name and my NHL name pretty much uh for about a quarter century now. That is tremendous. I honestly Chris, I never knew that story. Like I, I just obviously I knew everyone called you Bundy. I just never knew where that came from. So that is really cool. And speaking of teammates and, and your past playing days. I wanted to ask you, because I looked it up, Chris, um, from the five-overtime game, I saw how, how many minutes you played. Do you remember how many minutes you played in that game? Uh, I'm going to say it was over 50. I, maybe like 51 or 52. I think it was low 50s. I don't know the exact number, though, no. Yeah, uh, according to Hockey Reference, it was 50 minutes, 44 seconds. Jeez, buddy. Yeah. How, just how, was, how crazy was that? So I know it's it's it was the most insane game, you know. I actually put something on Twitter last night, like just asking Flyer fans, you know, for what was your most memorable uh, memorable game in Flyers history. To me, it would have been that game, even though I was a member of it. it was just because any game that goes into the night that started at seven o'clock and it ends seven hours and thirty eight hour uh, minutes later is epic. Uh, the other one I thought was the Russian game when uh, you know Eddie. Van Imp elbowed one of the Russians, and then Snyder didn't want to pay them unless they came back on the ice. I mean, those are classic, legendary Flyers stories. That game was unbelievable to me because <clears throat> there's a lot of weird little things that happened through the course of that game. And I know everyone wants to talk about eating the pizza and the IVs, which we did run out of. Uh, <laughs> you know, all the snack and the power bars and all that other good stuff. But um, what was interesting in that game was that, you know, Pittsburgh scored in like the first two minutes of that hockey game. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, I believe they had a one nothing lead at, the, at a time in that game. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, this is like we can't lose this game. I never realized again that we actually scored the next goal went off someone's head. I think it hit LeClaire's head. That's how the puck ended up in the net to tie it. And then the over and then we went five overtimes, two periods plus the almost the full first that Pittsburgh never got another goal. And I never thought inside the first two minutes of that game that they weren't going to score another goal. Here I am going back and forth. Me and Desjardins, we were still trying to do matchups. They were given, they gave up on them in Pittsburgh. But every single shift for eight periods, we had Yager 
and Kovalev coming down on us every rush chance with any shot that could have gone in the back of the net. And uh, we held it together. The funniest story for me in that game, I looked back at Wayne Cashman and I, I took a shift and I got back to the bench. And I, I don't even know if he knew that I even took the shift. It was like 10 seconds long. And I looked over at Luke Richards. Uh, it was No, it wasn't Luke. It was Wayne Cashman. Richardson was coming off the ice. He said, Cash, I, I literally can't go more than 10 or 12 seconds. Like, I'm afraid my knees are going to buckle. Oh my. <laughs> and as soon as he said that, he goes, here comes Luke. Luke was changing. I jumped the boards. Primo scored as I jumped the boards. And you'll see the replay. I went in. I was the first guy to hug Primo. And I was almost like, it was more like, thank God my, my legs will be available for the next game. Because if I went another five minutes, they would have, both my knees would have blown oh out. My that's gosh. bad guys. That's how tired and fatigued guys were. I was going to ask about that because obviously looking at like the game log for something like that and seeing too how, how much you specifically played, you could think about how uh, tiring that could be for just any athlete. But I was going to ask like in the moment, is the adrenaline Bundy just so high that you're not, or is it really starting to hit you? Like you just said there, like it's hitting you in different ways. But I mean, from JJ's standpoint in the last episode, just talking about the adrenaline again, he's not out there skating around, but. How no, he's probably like? jumping. He was probably jumping around like a little, like a ball going off a wall. Uh, the players, the players don't think of it like that. We just, it's a job. You know, you're going out there. You can't be, you can't be too crazy and, and uh, like all over the place because you got to j- stay focused, you know? So um, for me and Desjard in that game, it was uh, protect the middle, get pucks in deep and make sure we get them out of the zone uh, because that's what we deal with. I mean, that, that's what it is. But no, when you're out there, um, you get to a point where you really hope your team wins. Even in the overtime, you're hoping in your heart that your team is going to win this game and you hope maybe even you'd be the, the hero. Um, um, but at the end of the day, when that goal went in, it was the most elating feeling I'd ever had. I think in a hockey game in my life from yeah. a standpoint of the, the, your body becomes immediately fatigued and also in celebration mode at the same time. And it's, I, it's almost undescri- indescribable to be able to tell you what that feels like. It's pretty cool. Were you just looking at your, the guys on the bench? Like, were you guys just looking at each other, just distraught in absolute disbelief this game was still going on? Yeah, and you know what? Like, uh, well, there's another funny story. I, I'll tell. We're on a podcast. I every every period we we go. Your stories, you know, Wendy. Yeah, we had you know we have guys. We have to use the bathroom, right? So everyone has to go pee at some point. So every period I'd go in, like every other guy, and Craig Ramsey would come in the coach, and he'd stand there next to me. He goes, "How you holding up, Bundy?" I looked at him. I said, "Pretty good, Ram. Are you?" He goes, "Good. Have a good period." That was this. I was like after the third overtime. It was like nothing. Wow. <laughs> It was like, I remember after the game, I remember the interviews after I, w- I remember someone saying to me, he goes, you looked as white as a ghost, like white as a sheet. Yeah. And, oh my gosh. Uh, uh, so I remember getting home that morning and, and it was really, it was a beautiful morning. I remember it was sunny. It was a little bit chilly when we got off the plane. It was like six 15 in the morning, six 30 in the morning. And I remember sports sports talk radio at the time was just unbelievable. Yeah. Like some people were I was listening coming home I'm like this is just epic you know and you're thinking to yourself wow part of this you know and those are great memories you know from Philadelphia because that's how the, you realize how passionate the sports people are in this city and how cool it is to hear that and to hear them get right into it so I mean it was awesome one guy was you know that was a I think it was a it was it was a Wednesday night because we played back on a Saturday I'm thinking this one guy is just loving life 
Um, we had two days off between games, which ended up being the biggest blessing of them all. Usually yeah. you have one game between. We ended up having two days in between. I can't imagine if we would have had to play the next night again. Um, we did know, and I'll tell you after that game, both of you, that that game, it was 2-2 in the series at the time. We knew we were, we were winning that series. It didn't matter. They were done. Wow. Well, wow, that's crazy. Think- you just get that feeling. Yeah, you can't lose a game like that five overtimes and expect to just turn it back on next game. It's, it's, it literally, we spiked a hole in their canoe when there was no, there was no paddling the shore for them. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris, you played 99 playoff games in Philadelphia. You know what it's like playoff time in this city. How difficult do you think that is right now for, for fans and for players right now to stomach the thought that, you know, this season that's been pretty fun and special, yeah. um, you know, it might not finish. Who knows? Yeah, you're right. I mean, what a, what a season. And, uh, you know, I, uh, it's been, it's been a great, great turnaround year for this team. I mean, uh, there's been a lot of great, so many great positives, uh, the goaltending, the coaching, uh, Sean Couturier, uh, the young players, um, you know, Matt Niskin. I mean, I can go on. There's, there's been, there's been almost no negatives with this team the entire year. Carter Hart. Uh, it's just been, uh, it's been so good. Uh, and this sucks. It does. I mean, it really stinks to be able to, to have had the year they've had to, to, we have watched them gel as people as well, uh, grow as a team. So, you know, I've been through these moments and I've been through these teams, a 2000 team that we were just talking about that, that five overtime team. Um, that was probably the closest group of guys that I'd ever played with until, you know, the New Jersey series. And then, you know, unfortunately we lost it. I would, that's one of those things where you look at the guys in the team and you say, Hey, we would have loved to have won that cup together. Uh, and even players that had won cups, Rick Tockett, Mark Recchi, guys like that would, would tell you the same thing. They love that group of guys. So I understood what the flyers went through this year, what they're still going through uh, and how hard that is to try to get that special feeling because it's really hard to recoup. Uh, that being said, you hope that the bonds they've made this year and the, and, and the relationship that, that they forge are able to help them uh, if we do get a reset on this season and uh, and a chance for them to do something special in, a, in whatever playoff format that might be. That's the biggest thing, too, guys. We will not see the conventional seven-game playoff series of four rounds. I just don't think there's going to be time for that if it does happen yeah. at all. Right. Yeah. We were all saying that, too. I mean, I especially going back to what you're saying at the top of this, I don't. you don't even have enough time to begin with. Um, and as you said, say they do start up, they're, they're going to start back up July 1st. That's the decided date. I mean, I just don't see the full seven game series. I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think we're going to have you know it's not enough time. Yeah, and there's, it's interesting because, you know, there's been some suggestions made, like, you know, that maybe they do a play-in tournament. Who knows? Maybe if there is a way that they do come back or if this ends quickly and we were able to mobilize, that maybe they, there's something that they bring into the fray that's never been done before. And maybe it's something that the fans really right. like. And maybe there's still be a positive out of that. So uh, maybe we, there's a way to expand it where you'd almost get like 24 teams can almost make it where you get like a one game playoff in type of thing. Um, we'll see what happens. There's a lot of options and a lot of uh, a lot of things they can do. Um, but we got to get there first. And, and that's where we're at. Yeah. And you talk about fans missing that special feeling because it is it's hard. And uh, fortunately, though, for NBC Philly, just. I think the fans, too, asked for it, but uh, the re-airs, too. We just saw the other night the semis, the Eastern Conference semis, the Game 7 in 2010. Um, yeah. and, and just to see those moments, it, it, it brings you a little bit of life, at least. So that's nice, uh, and we'll expect more re-airs coming on uh, NBC Philly. There's a lot to catch up on there, and that keeps you busy. But Jordan and I talk. We've been diving into some different Netflix shows. And before this all started, Bundy, you're, you're one to always recommend shows and movies 
So I really think like your takes will inspire others because you're a great yeah. critic on your, your watches. So what do you got going on? What's been on the docket lately on the, on the well, plasma? I will tell you, I didn't really watch the series, but a couple of movies be- actually got sent into, um, they actually got sent right to our homes because the theaters were shut down. I watched both of them on the weekend. No One of them was, yeah, the invisible man which was really scary. It was actually like a thriller. It was really good. Well done. And uh, The Hunt. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, those are both uh, oh. both on your TV sets, uh, and you can watch them now in the uh, pleasure of your own home. I don't know. You know what's good, too? I really not want it to be a scary <laughs> movie, though. Like, that's really not my uh, jam. I can't, I can't really do it. <laughs> I'm going to have one of the kids electric shock therapy head tonight, and I'm going to watch like an old rerun of a Flyers game because then I won't remember the score. So it'll be like yeah. new to me. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm going to take you up on those recommendations. I During this time, I just you got to be honest. What, what do you miss most about uh, working with Katie? Oh. <laughs> uh, what I always miss always miss most was the camaraderie of just being around people. I really li- I love going in the work. I love being around the people. Yeah. Um, there's a great great newsroom over there with people and uh, you know, and then I get a chance to see the guys too and and, and my coworkers. So um, it's always a lot of fun. Um, and, and I know that, you know, I mean this listen, this is a game um, that we cover. We're we're blessed to cover it. I mean it's fun. It's supposed to be uh, it, it, you know lighthearted and uh, and something we could root for. But these are these are tough times right now and um, uh, I think that we all uh, I think everybody's doing a good job kind of staying in touch and, and making sure that um, uh, we get info out, especially about hockey. And I guess all we can do, guys, is cross our fingers. There's nothing yeah. else we can do right now. And, Bunny, you're doing a good job, too. I was actually surprised you didn't say you missed my old Canada because um, I really <laughs> am into that. But I love that song. I just love singing it, Jordan. And I think you know. But, you know, Bundy, I miss all of you guys. It's fun. It always is fun. And, again, I hope we're all back soon. Um, yeah, but yeah I love when you sing Oh Canada like 10 seconds before the show starts. That's great, too. So <laughs> <laughs> There you go. I had to get it in there. But, no, it's, it's fun to, uh, yeah talk again and get you on the pod you're always welcome to join but again all of our fingers crossed that we're going to be in person soon um hope you guys are staying healthy and bundy i had to had to let everyone know your daughter lexa is the south jersey girls basketball player of the year jordan can you believe that let's go i did see that i was i am team alexa i am all the way your daughter all of your kids so athletically uh talented there it's very cool i'm very very blessed and my oldest one uh isabel she was a career post player of the year too her senior year uh ava was a great player plays with izzy at school so i'm very blessed my girls are they're great girls they're great people they work their tails off and i always say you know what like someone says how do you describe them i say they're 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 hockey players that play basketball and i i don't (laughs) think that could really define them any more than that that's awesome i was gonna say yeah who's teaching them the post moves they just uh they have some help i'm sure from you but yeah that's awesome (laughs) no 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 that's not their mother their mother was an outstanding athlete in high school and they got a lot of their basketball from her they did not get any of it from me none (laughs) no no that's very very cool awesome (laughs) that is so cool thanks guys Yeah, once again, Chris Terrian, thank you for joining us on the Flyers podcast, Flyers Talk podcast. You're always welcome to rejoin. Um, It's always fun to have guests on, especially you today. Guys, it was an absolute pleasure. I miss both of you. I'm really hoping that we see each other uh, in the the near future. And um, stay busy, stay healthy, and wash your hands, please.
Absolutely, Chris. We miss you. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, your insight is fantastic, and we really appreciate it. And Katie Emmer, thank you, uh, as always. Um, and that is the Flyers Talk podcast. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, feel free to rate uh, and subscribe. And uh, we look forward to talking to you all next time. Katie, we are... <laughs> Thrilled, thrilled to be joined by the all times, the all time Flyers, uh, def- the all time leader in games played by a Flyers defenseman. Excuse me, Chris. You Ter- got to get it right. Yes. Thank you so much for joining. Helpful. Yeah. Jordan, you were a little slow on that one. I was. <laughs> well, Bundy, maybe if you didn't have so many accomplishments, it'd be easier for us to introduce you. So yeah. it's your fault. You know what?